You know things, I know some too. Sit right down, the will explain them to you. If there's a thing you want to explain, these two feminists can entertain. Nerdy stuff, sexy stuff, so much to know. Tune in for the Femsplain Show. Femsplain! Good morning, Diana and Celeste. Good morning, Avalon. Hi, welcome to Femsplained, everybody. Um, I'm going to say what Femsplained is now. <laughs> what is Femsplained? <laughs> it's a podcast, um, a Fems-only clubhouse podcast where the Fems have the mic, but all gender identities are welcome to listen, laugh, and learn with us. Live, laugh love live laugh <laughs> live laugh <laughs> listen is what we're yes. gonna get our uh <laughs> our bathroom signs uh soon yes. uh so uh we are having another guest with us uh this week which is really exciting uh and um avalon what has uh what has nerd culture done for you lately okay um so this is hard because we recorded yesterday, so I have to pretend like it's been a week. I know. <laughs> um, but uh, Francis and I have been talking about doing a Miyazaki marathon since we started dating, and we finally started last night. Oh, that's trying actually to go, really awesome. Yeah. So we're trying to go chronological, which can get tricky because it's like, does it count as a Miyazaki film if it's not Studio Ghibli? You know, like, because he just helped out with some other things oh yeah worked on other films that aren't anyway so we're trying to figure that out but mostly we're uh just going based on what hbo max has because they uh are currently hosting the vast majority of his films and we have a 14 day free trial we got in the mail so we're trying that go go as fast as you can we're not gonna make it though (laughs) um and i think that's pretty much it i've been watching him play assassin's creed odyssey which is reminding me of how much i like that game and want to play it but i don't really have the free hands to play it right now right so. right mm-hmm. avalon's yeah. hands are occupied constantly yep so i think that's all nerd culture has done for me and i was gonna pass it along to you uh so for me uh again not much is happening in the last 24 hours however we did start watching legend of Korra, which i've never seen oh. um have you watched I, avatar yes okay yeah. uh we did a, i thought you were just mm-mm. skipping it <laughs> no 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 um i had seen avatar uh the last airbender a while back and then we just did a rewatch of that but I had never watched Legend of Korra because I think I heard that it was bad somewhere. But so far, it's really funny and really good. So we're only a couple episodes in, but I'm liking it so far. That's as far as I've made it, is a couple episodes. And I didn't quit on purpose. It just, like, I Life. forgot about it or something. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so joining us, we have Celeste. Uh, Celeste, uh, what kind just... Who are you and what kind of nerdy stuff do you like? Just just tell me a little bit about yourself. Great. Um, I, what kind of nerdy things do I like? I really like replaying the same handful of video games over and over again. Love it. Um, those would be things like Thief um, and Thief mods. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and uh, Shadowrun. So it's kind of just like a loop of very specific video games that I really, really enjoy. Um, really into movies, specifically like really bad horror films. I like the schlockier the better. Um, and making costumes. That's kind of, those are really all I can think of to define myself. Nice. Uh, I define myself as a schlocky horror film. So. <laughs> well, I know before we started recording, you're also talking a little bit about Animal Crossing. Oh, well, yeah. There's that, well, the emotional manipulation of Animal Crossing yes. uh, also happening. No, I do play other games. I just have a particular affinity for either turn-based games with a lot of really good story or legitimate rogue games or sneak games where I don't have to fight anybody or if I do I can just shoot them in the head with an arrow and they have no idea yeah yeah that's always that's always fun I'm really bad at that I don't do a good job at the sneak part and then I wind up um just having to punch my way out of everything for (laughs) so I don't do sneaking in video games very well that's interesting. I feel like sneaking and sniping is like the anxiety play style. Mm. So I would think that Diana, that you, you would join me. In I know. Affinity. I know that that's what you are, 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 uh, usually do too, but I just can't, I just, I know that I'm going to fail at it. Uh, <laughs> so, so I just skip it and I just run in and start punching anyway. Um, like my mom, my mom is a pretty, I am birthed from a very, from a giant nerd, and uh, my mom is, like, just a full-on, like, hack and slash, heavy armor, whereas I'm like, I like, let me sneak and throw a fireball. Uh, (laughs) So we have many a full-out arguments about the best gameplay styles. Are there any games that you, like, co-op together, or any multiplayer games you enjoy? No, mostly because my mom right now plays a lot of, like, um, she plays a lot of, like, Fallout uh and that's not really my style but like growing up my, like I remember the first games I ever remember seeing were like my mom playing like Neverwinter Nights and like mm, yeah so was a pretty hardcore old gamer old she's like 40 something so yeah <laughs> <laughs> well that's awesome well thanks for joining us Celeste is here talking to us about uh closed captioning which is really really uh special and interesting so uh, Celeste, can you just kind of sum up closed captioning and tell us why, uh, like how you got uh, involved in this? Yeah, so for anybody who doesn't know, uh, closed captioning are the words on the bottom of a screen. Um, closed meaning that you have to be able to turn them on or off. There is something called open captions, which just stay on your screen. There's nothing you can do about it. So closed caption are the words that you can turn on and off that will tell you what is happening sonically. So what um, people are saying, but also uh, dog barking or sort of ambient background noise. Um, These are different than subtitling, although some places in the world use subtitling to refer to both. Um, But generally in the U.S. when we talk about subtitling, we're talking about a process of translating one language into another Uh, and that is usually just for dialogue. So subtitles won't really give any other um, background information uh, sonically. And captioning is most most thought of as an accessibility tool to help deaf and hard of hearing, although um, 
many, many people use it for a whole lot of reasons. Um, and it's become more common uh, for hearing people to use it in their homes just all of the time. Um, and how did I get interested in it? Well, I've always used closed captions. I can't really tell you when I started, but I really can't remember watching things without it. Um, and I took a queer TV class and I was like, I want to do something with closed captioning. And I was watching something. I don't remember what it was at this point. And it was a TV sex scene and I hated the closed captions for it. And I was like, wow, what's happening with TV sex scene clo cap closed captions? And so I wound up looking at like a hundred different examples of the closed captions for TV sex scenes and was really fascinated about the differences between how heterosexual and queer sex were captioned. Uh, and so that just kind of sent me spiraling into looking at like what is happening rhetorically with captioning and how does that, how do those choices feed into our, di our ideas about people in general? Wow. <laughs> That's okay. what I do. <laughs> wow. Okay. First of all, I think from Avalon and my faces, we both had no idea there was such a there was a difference <laughs> between open closed captioning <laughs> and <laughs> we, <were> like, <laughs> we both like caught each other like, oh. <laughs> um, so I just, before we get into, because the whole thing about queer sex scenes um, and closed captioning sounds really, really fascinating. And I want to hear all about that. I just wanted to know what what would be like the difference in why someone would choose like closed versus open captioning? If you mm. like, what is the difference there? Part of that has to do is less potentially a person's choice and more about how that media is distributed. So back in the um, late eighties and nineties, PBS would show and I think ABC news uh, or one of the big news at the time would have a dedicated program that would have open captions. So open captions less to be a, are less of a user's choice in more of the program is being released with captions already embedded into it. And so there's nothing you can do to turn them off. Um, and so they used to have uh, certain programs that would just have it all the time uh, news and then certain episodes of um, the the French chef uh, was actually one of the first to have closed captions in general uh, and then would have open captions. So that's one of those things of it has to do with whoever is producing the media has to make that choice. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. uh, yikes. So the this whole queer sex scenes thing. So what is, what would you say are some of the differences that you noticed that mm -hmm. stuck out to you that made you think that this might be a, a you know, an issue. Um. Yeah. So it started with, I, I have a friend who we take turns showing each other things. And so when I first met her, I forced her to watch every single uh, episode and season of Xena warrior princess, mm -hmm. um, which is not actually an easy task because this is back when episodes are like 24 episodes. And like, I love Xena more than a lot of my family members. And so like, but I also recognize it's, it's hard to get through. So I showed her Xena, and in return, she showed me Queer as Folk, which was much kinder. She could have picked something significantly longer. Um, and we were watching it, and it was the first time. So in the first episode, Michael's walking into the back to get Brian, and he's going through a, a gay club, and it says, Men Moaning, as the caption. 
And it was the first time I had ever seen any sort of gender body being assigned to closed captioning and who was moaning. And so that immediately stood out to me as I've never really seen this, but you don't really ever see queer sex on TV. Uh, and so most of what you see is just moaning. Um, and then so I started looking at these differences and the same thing happens in Orange is the New Black. This also happens um, when you have women having sex, it will say, it actually says women moaning. So there's this really interesting pattern of when it's queer sex of marking it specifically, whereas, you know, heterosexual sex is just moaning. There's nothing to say. You don't need to mark it in any way. You don't even need to say who's moaning, who cares who's getting pleasure. It's heterosexual. That means it's democratic. Everybody's having pleasure. It's great. We're all moaning. Um, but for queer sex, it's you have to say, hey, don't forget they're both men. Don't forget they're both women. Uh, so it's this really interesting pattern that comes up with like TV will, like the TV will allow queer sex to kind of exist, but the closed captions kind of force it back into a box mm -hmm. uh, by putting those words around it. And I just think that it's a pattern that kept coming up. Uh, and I just thought it was really, really interesting. Did you find any, like when you started digging into this, did you find other like, things uh, that that stood out to you as like uh, differential for tv sex scenes not I had at that that was pretty early and so I really had blinders on at that time of like that was what I was looking for specifically was just kind of looking at heterosexual versus queer sex um so there's nothing that stood out in terms of like other things that I could point to I would be interested to go back and revisit some of those examples and see now that I've like kind of expand my like what I look at in closed captions um because I also look at like closed captions and pornography I also look at porn um like the comments like how do people talk about closed captions racing captions and horror films and captions um so I'm just a little more I, I'm probably better now at being able to spot and track differences in captions than I was when I originally was looking at that particular grouping of TV. <laughs> Do you see any other um, like identity-based discrepancies in captioning? Yeah, um, so really, I'll start with a couple. So the first I would say is what's really interesting to me is, and this is true for both porn and TV sex scenes, is that it's never marked who is receiving the pleasure, like who's moaning. And I think that's really interesting because it really operates along like gendered ideas about who, who vocalizes during sex. Uh, and we often expect and assume women have to, especially because women's orgasms are not visual in the same way that we assume that like somebody with a penis can visualize their orgasm. And so it's interesting that, like, it's just assumed. We don't need to say who's moaning. We just know it's the woman. Uh, and I think that that's a, a particularly interesting in terms of, like, gender dynamics for sex and the kind of performances that we expect. Uh, and then the other thing is, like, definitely with race. So closed captions. Sure. It, like, it's my longest chapter in my dissertation is, my, is, is the porn and race. And the race chapter, I specifically looked at casts that were 
uh, predominantly black casts. Um, just given the time limits for writing this, I would love to go back and look at casts of different people of color, but for this I specifically looked at um, black and black Americans. Uh, so the what I call correcting impulse of erasing any sort of language difference or, um, you know, what would be called like AAVE. Uh, that happens a lot in closed captions oh. where they will actually, you know, and I'm doing air quotes, fix what somebody is saying. But really what that's doing is imposing this idea of like American standard English, which this amazing... Um, Black female scholar who looks at rhetoric, Geneva Smitherman calls um, standard white English. Um, and so it'll go through and fix. And like one of the, one of the things that was like most frustrating is so I don't remember, I don't, I don't know who remembers Nellie. Um, I'm sure. And Nellie of course. Was, was a thing. Um, and so like, in the first episode of, he had a TV show, if you were unaware, uh, called Nellieville. And in the first episode, he, what the caption, like what he says is, I just want to make sure that she understands education is first. And he's talking about one of his daughters wanting to model. And then he, <laughs> what the caption says is, I just want to make sure she understands that it's tasteful. And then later he says, what are your grades like? And the caption changes that to, what are you saying? And then it also says, what you hear is um, his daughter telling him, well, you already paid for the semester, talking about college, but the captions change it to, well, it's been real. And so what's interesting is that- What? Yeah, what? This is yeah. absurd. So to me, there's no way, like these aren't, I call them major um miscaptions because there can be minor like things get misspelled or sometimes for shows they'll put a synonym if it's shorter just for space um and of course there's debates about that but in general those have more to do with um conservation of space and time than they do changing the actual meaning of what's being said right those there's no way you can look at those examples and not see the fact that they're changing anything that this black man says about his children's education to be not about that. Yeah. And so I was watching this and I was just like, what is like, what is happening here? Uh, and this happens quite like th this happened a lot in the show. Uh, and it was real. I mean, what's interesting is you typically don't have the same captioner and captions are done by a human. So that means that this pattern is happening across different people doing it. They're right, it's not like one problem person. Yeah. Right. And the same thing for, like, there's this amazing, um, I highly recommend anybody watch it. Uh, it's a 1991 film called Daughters of the Dust by um, a Black female director named Julie Dash. It was actually the first feature-length theater-released uh, film by a Black female director. And it's a gorgeous film, and in it they speak the Gala language. Um, all of that is fixed so they actually change the syntax and like they add in so the gall language doesn't use to be verbs the same way that standard american english would um and this completely does that like it completely erases the gall language in favor of standard american english which completely undoes the importance of 
the film takes place at like the turn of the century kind of and when a lot of people were free and leaving the gala island to go to or the gala area to go you know to cities and stuff and so the fact that they speak this language is really important in terms of thinking about slavery diaspora generations of people but the captioner made the choice to fix it and the film is told in standard american english via the captions uh wow. which i mean you're just like re-oppressing people through language at that point um and so it's it happens a lot in terms of of race and it's also like cultural references so uh the show living single which is an amazing show and i highly recommend oh my god i just started re-watching it like a couple weeks ago (laughs) it's it's better than i remember it really does like there are still a few episodes where things are said or done you're like ooh, but in general from a show for that time it holds up pretty well yeah (laughs) yeah i i had forgotten that like how good it was yeah oh and i remember being a kid and having like such a crush on like queen latifah's character like it's yeah yeah uh but in one of the episodes um overton is talking about getting his hair cut and he said yeah i just gotta tighten up my fade and fade for anybody to know is is dealing with hair (laughs) and the caption says tighten up my feet I was like, well, that's a weird choice. But it's also then followed by him um, saying he's going to go talk to one of his friends. And he says, well, I'm going to go talk to Shorty. And it changes Shorty to him. And I was like, well, that's also a weird choice. And these are like back to back. So it's the same captioner. And then he calls his like girlfriend um, Caramel Corn, which is like a cute little. Yeah. Yeah. It completely erased that. Like, it doesn't even caption it. And it was just like, wow, these very specific cultural references to, like, Fade and Shorty are just removed. Um, Wow. And the other big one is the N-word. So, miscaptioning of the A versus R, which have very important and different meanings. (laughs) Um, Like, it, it tends to not... Like, the captioning doesn't always match which really matters sometimes especially for i look at like a stand-up comedy like that really matters yeah yeah Uh, especially when you're trying to draw attention to the differences in the way that they're used uh and the fact that like um when black comedians will change their voice uh to do a white voice which is very important sonically, we know that this is happening because it's really drawing attention to like differences of like lived experiences. Um, it won't say anything in the caption that they've changed their voice. But what I did find is if black male comedians change their voice to be a woman's voice, it oh. will say nasally voice or high pitched voice or feminine voice. But if he's changing his voice and I say he, because it's what I found is it it was mostly black male comedians who do this um, particular, like kind of. uh, Right. I can like, I can picture a couple of. uh, Yeah. Like Dave Chappelle's friendship being the most uh, probably famous. So if they do like a white woman's voice, it's often marked, but if they do a white man's voice, it doesn't say anything about the voice being changed and I found this pretty consistently um, across different examples of people who do like a white voice 
of it not being marked for white men, but it being marked for white women. Wild. So are, so obviously like there, there have to be like multiple different uh, biases that kind of play into this. Like I could, obviously there's, um, you know, racial and, and anti-queer biases that, that play into why that might happen. But do you also feel like there's maybe like some ableism that uh, is like into how much effort and how much captioners are, you know, being paid from different backgrounds and things like that? Like how much effort goes into finding, you know, appropriate captioners? Because mm-hmm. um, I would just assume that they probably maybe don't put as much effort in, in media and finding and paying people appropriately to do those things. Yeah, I definitely think that plays into it in a couple ways. Like, one, a lot of people who will do captions, not all of them are doing this as, like, a full-time career. Like, some people are just doing captions as, like, a side, you know, a side thing. Uh, They could be doing it super late. People aren't always very, aren't compensated very well for it. Um, There's also an issue of, like, I mean, investment. I What I think is a really interesting thing is that you can look at, if you look at shows that are subtitled by fans, like there are fan communities that will re-subtitle things for people um, in other countries that they can enjoy it. And they'll often like, they're often better because they'll actually like contextualize things. Like they'll put little things in the corner that contextualize like a word, if a word is a joke or things like that. Um, And of course this gets into like larger potential issues of like fan labor and compensation and things like that but i like this model like it's almost like a model of care (laughs) of like these people care about this show and so they want you know a person in a different country to be able to enjoy it the same way they do so they really pay attention to these captions or you know these subtitles but that's not you know captions are part of big business and so you don't have that same attention to detail Right. There are some caption communities that do uh, fan captions for people or like there's a Reddit called like um, caption please where like people can ask for something if it's not captioned to be captioned. Um, And people will do that for free and stuff for them, which is great. That doesn't get to the larger failing of like captions. Right. And I also think especially when we're talking about anything dealing with like sex. So like the captions, not just for pornography, but like, yeah, TV sex scenes and stuff. There's this just idea that why would, why would somebody need captions for that? And a lot of that comes from this idea that people with disabilities or deaf and hard of hearing people aren't actively sexual. Like our de- we, we simultaneously over-sexualize and desexualize people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. And so I definitely think that plays into like things like making porn or TV sex scenes accessible or how much people think that they have to care about that. Um, and I will just say, uh, just in case anybody is wondering, um, deafness and hard of hearing, not all members of those communities view it as a disability. Some do view it as a disability and some view it as a communication variation. Uh, so when I'm saying deafness and disability, I acknowledge that it's a disability because of the way society is structured. Um, right, right. And I do acknowledge that I just want to, in case anybody is, has heard that they're not the same thing. They're not, but. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. I'm learning a little bit more about that 
uh, more recently, but that, that makes sense. I'm interested because you had mentioned uh, the comments <clears throat> section, yes. that that was Ooh, something yeah. that you had delved into uh, yes. with porn specifically. <laughs> and I'm, I am very curious about what you found there. It's great. Um, so <laughs> I just want to, I want to start with my favorite one, uh, if you don't mind. Um, this is from a minute, a porn video whose title I'm not going to read. Um, <laughs> titles of, of pornography are objectively the worst titles of, of really, anything really in is. history. <laughs> it's really weird. Um, I should send this list to like Ben Shapiro and like just have him read it out loud. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is from Red Haze 62 uh said closed captions question mark accessible porn makes my dick rock hard that's one of my favorite like that's my all-time favorite like i just i really appreciate their enthusiasm i, I appreciate that too i think that yeah. that's totally valid <laughs> I, so you have people who like legitimately like do like a lot of people will be asking in the comments like how do you turn on the closed captionings um some people ask me how don't you like you know, how, how can I make the closed caption stop? Uh, and then you also have people who will say, like, I can hear this. Why is there closed captioning? Right. Like, oh, the, the poor darling. I don't know, like, do you know that, how the internet works? I, <laughs> like, you're not the only one. Sweet little, sweet little child. Uh. <laughs> yes. Uh, so it was, like, a really interesting... I mean, it was just as, like, funny, scary, and enlightening going into the porn comment sections, like, that I would have thought, like, it was a weird, I mean, I went through, just so people know, I went through 400 videos, uh, I watched 400 videos, and went through their comment sections. So spring 2018 was a really weird place. Yeah. Uh, for me, as a human. <laughs> Um, I did get a really good, um, uh, apple pie recipe from the comment section. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I do know that like porn comment sections are, are not the, they're not wholly like the, the terrifying place you kind of think that they're going to be. They're more weird and like full of a lot of off topic discussions yeah oh i would not expect that i would yeah. think it would just be like really off-putting and, and graphic some of them are like some of them definitely like you're just like some of them are awful like the same the things that they'll say about specifically like the women and stuff are like awful some of them like offer like legitimate like feedback like <laughs> i didn't really enjoy his vocal performance like and then some of them are like I don't know. It's almost like shit posting, but like wholesome in the sense that like it'll be like, I don't believe this is vintage porn because this car came out in 1962, not <laughs> 1959. Like, <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. I'm not a full member of that like community of people commenting regularly on <laughs> pornography, but it was a interesting place. Yeah, and they are talking about closed captions. <laughs> Care. That's that's pretty cool. Um, so they're closed captions, so people elect to turn them on and off. So I would do. think that their opinions of them, of it being there, like since they're they're buying in or it's voluntary. Some people know. definitely. You still get the the things of people just like 
being like, why do you need this? Or um, some of them will just like pull out. So slurping <laughs> is, if you've ever won the note universally, pretty much what um, blowjobs are captioned as, that would be slurping. You can pull that out of the party now. <laughs> Let that be your <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Like, yeah, and so a lot of them will just say, like, slurping sounds. Like, that'll all be what their comment is. Um, but generally, people, yeah, are pretty positive, except for the few people who, like, don't know how to turn them off and are just like, how do I turn this off? <laughs> wow. So who is captioning porn? Is it fan, like, fan base, like you were talking about, or is it computer automatic, no, like YouTube um, does? So other... Other sites may do it differently. So I focus my research on uh, Pornhub specifically because they, um, they in 2018, like right after they released is when I kind of started this. Um, so it would have been summer that I was doing this. Uh, they released that they were adding a closed caption section as part of their Pornhub cares. Um, they already had description for visual visually impaired so there's a uh, audio captioning is a something else that people can do oh uh, mm-hmm. so if you're blind you can or visually impaired uh you can um actually i'm not gonna say visually. i'll, I'll say blind because i don't know enough about that community to know the per- the preferred um language but the yeah so they already had that and it's interesting that they started with audio captioning not closed yeah. captioning. just because closed captioning tends to it more attention in some ways, um, although audio caption is also extremely important. So they already had that, and so they started closed caption. They started closed caption category in which they're like, we're going to go through our most you know viewed, most highest rated uh, videos and caption and start captioning them, which is great, except for the fact that one that means that the majority of the porn is extremely uh, vanilla in both taste and color and um heterosexual uh like out of the original 412 that were captioned only seven of them featured lesbians which is interesting given that lesbian tends to be a pretty high ranking category in terms in terms of viewership um but when you're looking at all of their films or videos um they didn't make the cut apparently so Hmm. there were definitely issues there so they actually have an in-house captioning team. Um, so you have live people who are captioning porn. That's that is, that is somebody's cool. job. Yeah. I would think since this is like a porn specific initiative to caption porn, that there would be like a round table about like, how are we going to do this creatively or how is this going to be more mm-hmm. inclusive of our audience and that it wouldn't just default to just sort of this slurping yeah <laughs> although maybe slurping is is the best possible i also feel like i feel like that is a word that like a heterosexual male <laughs> might read and think sounds sexy but like i like i can't imagine <laughs> that like other people reading that are going to register it the same way i feel like i feel like it's definitely sexy perhaps from one perspective <laughs> I think it's like an interesting word. So I, let me tell you, I hate mouth sounds like pretty intensely. Like I will break out in stress hives if people are eating very loudly around me. Um, 
and I just hate it so much. And so this was a particular uh, level of hell for me, was listening with <laughs> earphones, like, right next to my eardrums, these, like, bodily sounds. Um, it's interesting because, like, first of all, they could have gone to, like, literatica. There's some great writers there. Like, you could have hired yeah. some pretty good <laughs> yeah. people who are, you know, this is what they do. Because, like, the idea that closed captioning pornography is, like, this weird thing. It's, like, you do know that written erotica has been around forever. Yeah. Uh, we have it in hieroglyph form. Like, we have always cared about, <laughs> you know, writing this down in some way. And so, yeah, the, the fact that, like, more creative writers are not on staff across the board i think you know for all captioning like that's where you should be pulling your people from um and also i think drawing back to something you said earlier is hiring people who maybe up like care about this specific thing more so than just you know reaching out into the the general pool of captioners like Yeah, which is probably just based on words per minute, I would imagine. Right. Probably. Yeah. I mean, there are, like, different, I mean, different companies do have different things, um, and there's, like, in-house captioning guides, because, like, the standard law of, like, how captions have to be done is, like, not very detailed. Like, it has more to do with, like, how much you really can have on a particular line, spacing, font. But, like, once you start getting into actual word choice that is more an in-house, like, whatever, whoever, you know, you work for kind of a thing. Um, but, like, going back to slurping. So, my thing about slurping that I, yes, like, please. I, yeah, well, I, I, yeah. So, what I think is really interesting about it is it does, like, it kind of disrupts the image in a lot of ways in that if most of the time, for the ones that I'm watching, and I'm, I'm pretty pro-porn, anti, you know, a lot of porn hub, um, but, like, a lot of that that pornography is very, you know, standard for men's pleasure. Um, it's not, not necessarily always very varied, especially for the ones that were captioned. But, like, if you have this image that is, like, so much for, like, a male viewer, the, the just the sheer fact of slurping on the screen, like, that draws attention very specifically to what is the female like mouth and like it draws attention to her in a way that the image doesn't and so i'm not saying that closed captioning completely undoes the sort of normative image but what's interesting is the closed caption does like literally disrupt it uh even for a second like it really forces you to think about her in a way that you might not be um and so i think like slurping is like subtly progressive in a way that isn't intended but that I'm very happy with. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to remind was, you, there's like a living being that's yeah. contributing to this pleasure. It's not just like yeah. an anonymous whole. Yeah. 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 So it's a really interesting, like the relationship between the image and like the caption themselves specifically for porn just becomes this really weird, like tension almost um, that I just find really fascinating. Of, like, who's, ple- like, where your, ple- like, where a person's pleasure is coming from. Like, are you here for the image and they just happen to have closed captioning? Or are you specifically seeking out things that you can read? Uh, who knows? Phone in. Tell us now. <laughs> so, in a, I'm assuming that this is a situation you encountered across four, 400 plus videos. Um, but 
in a situation where there are two parties or more who are like moaning or making some sort of like a pleasure sound, how does, is it clear how it's differentiating who's doing what? Nope. Uh, (laughs) So I actually, (laughs) next question. Um, so the, the actual, that section, I'm, I really, when I write, I really like to have dumbish or silly fun titles. And so that one's called Whose Orgasm Is It Anyways? Um, <laughs> because it never does. And I think that gets back to like, when we were talking about like those like ways of identity gets played out in captioning, it's just assumed it's her. Um, and I think that that's a really, like, it'll say if he, like, says things, because, like, obviously dirty talk. Um, but it won't always say, like, who who is saying it. So it's just assumed that if there's dialogue, he's saying it. Unless it's, like, obviously gendered in some way of her, like, saying daddy or something like that. Like, then you'd be like, oh, it's her saying it. But if it says something like, you bitch, for instance she realistically could be the one saying that depending on what the scenario is, but it is just assumed that he's the one saying it. Um, and so it's almost the same thing of like, if there's dialogue, it's assumed it's him. If it's moaning or groaning, groaning being another favorite, then it's just assumed it's her. And so it's mm-hmm. interesting, like how much like these, like our preconceived ideas of like how gender plays out in sex winds up being visualized when you actually have to read it. You're like, well, yeah. how do I know it's her moaning? And you're like, oh, that's because everything says that that's how women perform in the bedroom. Right. Right. Wow. Oh my goodness. Okay. So did you did you ever come across any during this where something like pleasantly surprised you? Like something that was done uh that you thought was done well or that like kind of opened your yeah. eyes to something in a good way? So a couple of things like <laughs> The so the final piece that I've looked at is is horror, and this was supposed to be horror and comedy because if I were to think of two genres in which closed captioning has the most impact on your body's response, like they're both what would be called like body genres in some ways, in the sense that like comedy is meant to physically impact your body by making you laugh, horror you know scary make you scream that kind of a thing. Caption, how does caption then, how do words do that? These are two genres that really rely on timing and sound. Um, I didn't get a chance to, I'm currently kind of looking at comedy, um, but I've already sort of done a lot of work on horror. And horror, I mean, if you ever don't want to be scared, just mute your TV. Like if you're watching a horror film and you're scared, just mute it. That's, That's the answer. Because while visual scares are definitely one thing, it really is so sonically based. Um, sure. For both music you can hear, but also, like, there are theories. Um, you're a conspiracy theory podcast now. Um, <laughs> that uh, Paranormal Activity used a particular... Um, it's a it's sound that you can't actually hear, but you can feel. Um, it's so low that your body registers it. Uh, it's the same thing that would make animals run when there's an earthquake. You can't hear it, but you can feel it. Um, so there's even ways that sounds that you don't even hear can be impacting you. So how do you do that? So one of my favorites is actually, so on Friday the 13th, 
Um, the captions, like, the music obviously is very important in Friday the 13th or any slasher film. Like, you need Right, to it, know. like, tells you that the, yeah. this is coming. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> in Friday the 13th, they, um, to show that the slasher is there, they often would do <laughs> discordant menace theme plays. I understand that is a very long caption, but it also, there's like urgent menacing theme playing. uh, And it would just frequently say whatever, whatever theme playing. And it might not be the prettiest, but it does do its job in the sense that like, it lets you know, it signifies there's been a change in the music. Something's about to happen. So even if you're just reading that, it kind of like, I mean, so much of a slasher film is, like, the anxiety of waiting for the slasher to show up. Yes. So just having the kind of caption, like, indicate that in some way, uh, for me, is pretty effective. Um, so I was actually really happy to see that. Whereas in Halloween, I watched a version of Halloween in which the music was never indicated. So when the oh. theme played... That's which- <laughs> a huge failing. That's like a... <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, like, whenever he just, like, whenever Michael Myers pops up, he's just there. And it's so not scary because, like, so much of Halloween is really hearing the music and waiting for Michael Myers. Like, that tension of, like, when is he showing up? Whereas, like, if he just, like, is standing by a bush, you're like, oh. I was thinking about the bush scene specifically, how silly that would seem. Yeah. Without, like, an indicator that, like, he's around the corner somewhere. Yeah. You're waiting for him to show up. Yeah. The camera just cuts, and he's just, like, kind of leaning out of a bush real (laughs) real Like, it's just not, it's not scary. And so just seeing Friday the 13th, like, at least indicate that and do it consistently, um... And try to change up its wording, just depending on the context, but always saying, like, theme plays was really, really refreshing. Uh, and it was a nice departure from, like, ominous sound. <laughs> or oh, ominous sound. yes. Yeah. Being more specific. So being more specific seems like it would be better, even though it might seem clunky mm-hmm. uh, visually. Like, But it, it's it's being more descriptive, which has to be good in this case. Yeah. yeah. And I get, like, for some things, there's, like, no way around it. Um, and so I think it's also like having people understand the, what is the relationship between sound and image? Like, what is it that you're trying to convey? Uh, and we don't have a ton of like visual or sonic literacy. Like just because you consume a lot of media doesn't always inherently mean that you understand like how those are interacting or how they're even impacting you. Um, that doesn't mean I think everybody has to be a scholar, but I think it's like having people have the language to be able to like understand like, okay, how is this happening? How is this functioning? Especially when your job is to like unpack how it's functioning and then put it into words. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, and my thought too, with what you're describing with Friday the 13th is a, a lot of um, the building of anxiety and anticipation in horror movies is fairly subliminal or subconscious um, versus seeing it so explicitly spelled out like, I might not realize Mike Myers is coming if I'm not overly tuned into the significance of the score, mm-hmm. um, but my body might. Yeah. Um, whereas if I see it so specifically spelled out, I don't, I'm wondering how those experiences would differ. I'm sure that they do. And then that's, I mean, that's one of those things of like, I can only 
pull so much from various conversations that I've seen online from deaf or hard of hearing people who use captions. Um, my own experience of just like playing with like volume, li different listening styles of like trying to figure these things out. I mean, it definitely, it, it is a different experience, but I don't think that inherently means like that it's better or worse. It still can be like, for me, it's all about like, how can it be affective as in how can this like recreate those like bodily sensations? Yeah. Um, and I wound up kind of designing an app that I'm trying to make better because um, it's really clunky and bad right now. But like my, <laughs> I think there's a lot that can be done with like haptic technology. So like vibrations and feedback. So I actually like made an app that it's like, you can pair it to two different YouTube short horror films. Um, and when you hit play, it will vibrate at the same times that like sonic information is being given to you. Not all of it, just the things that would like tell you to be scared. Right. Uh, and I think there's actually quite a lot that can be done with thinking about like vibration as a means of communication. And yes, this 100% comes from the fact that like, I love Vincent Price and one of Vincent Price's best movies is The Tingler, in which case William Castle, who's known as the gimmick king of Hollywood, he, on the initial showings, rigged certain seats to vibrate. Uh, and so this really just is me doing a giant homage to uh, William Castle and The Tingler. Um, but I think it is, like, legitimately effective and... Uh, yeah. It, like, I mean, I've tested it. I have friends who I forced to be my test subjects um, who did say, like, it did freak them out, like, to have their phone all of a sudden start vibrating. Um, yeah, for, like, a jump video scare. Video games use that yeah. all the time. And oh, it yeah. works yeah, on me completely. <laughs> like, this is this feels like something that, I don't know, yeah. just is, like, a light bulb uh, yeah. moment. Yeah. And I talk about that. I talk about, like, I mean, if you look at, like, the Silent Hill games specifically, like, si the Silent Hill games are, like, so much of those are, like, if you play the Silent Hill games on Silent, it's a completely different <laughs> experience. Like, it, so much of it is told, like, I mean, you can hear things that you never actually find the source of. Um, and, like, why they're so effective is also, like, the ambient sounds of just the way that things, like, floorboards moving mm. in that it really blurs the line of like sometimes it legitimately sounds like you can't tell if it's coming from your house or the game uh, mm. and there is like video games use sound horror video games for me use haptic technology in such a better way than a lot of media does and I just don't understand like why we can't learn from that for other like for film yeah and because you mentioned video games, um, and I said earlier, I'm watching Francis play Assassin's Creed. Uh, so like, it's kind of like when you watch someone experiencing something that you're familiar with, you, I don't know, I get really into like studying their reactions mm -hmm. and anticipating their reactions, which is often um, leads to me being disappointed. <laughs> but, <laughs> but specifically, um, he was playing the other day and there are captions turned on and um, like a a punchline was delivered or a twist was delivered on the screen like well before the dialogue indicated it and I found it so frustrating because I wanted it to be like a big reveal moment and 
it was delivered kind of unceremoniously because it was all just like lumped in there together. Mm -hmm. um, so I would imagine in video games and like sort of more plot based or comedy mm -hmm. specifically that mm -hmm. um, reckless captioning probably ruins a lot of reveals or, or laughs. Oh, for sure. Uh, that's one of the reasons, like, that's kind of what I want to move into next is looking at, like, the issue of, like, timing. Because it is, like, it ruins it so much. The other thing is, like, when things reveal... I was watching a murder mystery, because I love them. Cozy murder mystery, specifically. Let me be clear. A cozy murder <laughs> mystery the other day. And it revealed that the per like, it put the person on the phone, like, their name. It put who it was. Oh, my and God. And you're just like, <laughs> well, we know who the killer is now. <laughs> uh and so it's just like those sorts of things that like completely ruin they're so tiny in some ways that they completely disrupt the kind of like viewing experience that you should be having yeah wow oh my god that's so that's so disappointing but it's like i guess if you have i think you know if you don't have somebody who is deaf or hard of hearing reviewing captions for something like the average, you know, hearing person may not be, mm -hmm. may not just understand that that's a problem until somebody literally points it out to them. You know, like, I feel like there's another layer to that. There is that like, they just aren't involving the communities that use these the most mm -hmm. like in, in the process of like vetting stuff like this. Definitely. Because like without somebody pointing that out to me, like I probably would not have noticed it uh, if I happened to see that kind of caption. Yeah. There are, in terms of gaming, there are a few deaf gamers out there who will review um, how games, like the their use of like the captioning system as well as like vibration or controller or other modes of communication and stuff. So um I'm of course blanking on anybody's name, but they do exist and they're out there and they're doing important work. So yeah, well, I really like the idea of having an app that can integrate a film viewing experience in that same way that holding a controller might like it, it seems. I yeah. Know, it seems cool. Yeah. I, I'm sure it would be a tremendous amount of effort, but I feel like doing a feature length film would be really cool. That's what I would love to do. I think like my current problem is that like I've sort of reached the maybe like I mean I had to teach myself how to code which like my brain doesn't inherently think like that in a lot of ways uh and so I think I'm currently at a point where I've I've reached my <laughs> skill set um but I definitely would love to like work with somebody a little more talented in this field to really make this something that is much more smooth um, something that is more user-friendly and, yeah, has better options um, while keeping it free uh, because mm, so right, much... Right, right. So, yeah, just accessibility things in general, people charge an arm and a leg for, and it just, you know... It defeats the purpose of, it of really it being accessible to people. Yeah, yeah. it's... Completely oh. agree. Um, well, this has been freaking truly fascinating and like hitting all of the 
things I'm most fascinated by uh, and has been absolutely wonderful. Um, so I'd have to thank you again. Um, Celeste, before we wrap up, um, what would be something uh, we usually give each other a little bit of homework, something to engage with uh, the topic for ourselves? What would be maybe like a really, I guess you could go in either way, either give us like a really, truly great example of, of something that was really well captioned that we should check out, or maybe something that is like the opposite, like the worst example you've ever seen of something completely bombing at the attempt. I don't know. I think I, I mean, I've, I've watched like a th- over a thousand something things at this point. So I think it, it's a little hard for me to focus in on like one examples of those. I think what I would really ask is that something that you really love, like take a film, something that you really, really care about and watch it with the captions and really, really mostly watch it with the captions, especially cause you already kind of know the story If it's something that you really care about. You already know the story. You already know the general things really watch the captions and see like, do you feel that this is doing the work that it should be doing? Uh, and this can be a TV show. This can be a movie. Um, also look if you like, if you're, you know, some people aren't really big into like movie and TV, a video game you play. Mm-hmm. Does it even offer captions? Some games do, some games don't. Um, and then replay it and think about how would captions make this potentially better? Um, if it doesn't have it, or if it does, you know, what are captions doing for this game? So that's, I think what I would ask because captions are also subjective. So like what I, I mean, I think Friday the 13th being very, (laughs) at least really indicating is great, but there are probably people out there who would think like, this is too, it's taking up too much screen space. It's distracting. It's too long. It shouldn't be saying this. It should just say theme or something. Um, so that's the other problem of captions. So that's, I think it, I think it would be more per- beneficial for you to take something you already love and really engage with the captions for it. Okay. I love that. I love that. But it made me want to ask a question. Sorry. Go <laughs> um, for it. Do you think that, so I'm, I've heard you say a couple of times in terms of the amount of space something takes up yep. or spelling something out that is supposed to convey some kind of an idea. Do you think that the use of like symbols or colors being integrated somehow would make more sense yeah. in captioning? So there is a really, there's a guy, <laughs> I don't know if you can guess this, closed captioning isn't a huge field of study, um, but there is a communication scholar named Sean Zendek, Z-D-E-N-E-K, uh, and he has a website where he actually, like, he looks at a little bit more from a technology standpoint than I do, but also, like, communications theory, and he does some really fabulous work with looking at what would be creative captions, and so he does this really great example for the Goonies, and he looks at when all the kids from the Goonies are running over the hill and they're all talking over each other. The caption for that, like, will pick up what some of them are saying or just won't say anything. And it doesn't really get to that, like, chaos of a group of kids going on adventure. So what he does is he actually color codes their, like, each person having their caption in a specific color. And so he puts it above them in their color. And it really gets to that same okay, I can't even process because when you're hearing it, you can't even process what they're all saying. So like, you really can't even read, I can't read everything that they're saying. I can't, you know, but it it gets to that same frenetic kind of like, what is it like to be a kid 
to be going on this adventure. And he also has another example, and I'm blanking on what the um, show is that it's from, but it's a person that, if you, she's a hologram. And at first you don't realize she's a hologram, but like, if you're reading the captions, you're probably going to miss that she's subtly flickering Mm. because it happens so subtly. So he actually flickers the caption. So it kind of like, it makes you know, like something's not right. And it kind of forces you to look up to see what's happening on this, like, you know, uh, above the caption Mm. to kind of catch that she's a hologram. And so I 100% think there's like this idea of like what we would call like form matching content. So like the form of what's being, you know, conveyed or the visual or whatever matching the content of the captions. I think like there's so much creative things that we could be doing, um, but people have to want to do them and businesses have to be kind of forced into it. I mean, Netflix fought, Netflix wasn't required to have captioning until I think about 2016. Mm. Um, Yeah. They fought it very, very, very hard. They had many lawsuits. Um, YouTube is now getting rid of its community caption, which is kind of bullshit because like they don't allow, not all creators allow people to add captions. And then the people who do add captions do all this like self promo and they do bad captions And so now they're just getting rid of that altogether, but there's no forcing creators to put captions. So it's like, it's not just us having better systems. We also have to better incentivizing, which means people demanding them. Right. And, and with YouTube, their auto captioner is not getting like a lot of, you know, uh, work put into it to make it better. Right. Like, so bad. Yeah, yeah. It's and like- it censors, as does Google. So if you're trying to teach, like, and this is a big thing right now as people are trying to teach online and thinking about, like, accessibility and captions. So I gave a public talk um, on porn um, called Moans, Groans, and Slurping, the Politics of Closed Captioning Pornography. Uh, and I gave this talk, and I did... Um, I did Google Slides because it has Google Slides has a really nice built-in captioning system, live captioning. So it'll just caption as you speak. A little delayed, but really nice. Uh, yeah, it censors the word porn. It doesn't actually caption. Um, live captioning for Google will not caption. And I've, I've posted many things on their like IT forum and they'd like, and it's like, you'll be responded to in 48 hours. And they've never responded to my queries about the fact that it will not do porn. It won't do Pornhub. It also won't do like uh, other words I won't say on your podcast, but the point is <laughs> it censors. Wow. That's so, a, yeah. Yeah. So it's just, there's, there's just a lot, uh, a lot of work to be done. So I hope that yeah. this inspires people to give a shit. I hope so too. My gosh. Uh, well, uh, thank you again for, for, for teaching us so much about this, um, this topic and all of your incredibly cool research uh, on it. Uh, Avalon, what are you doing after this? I don't know. <laughs> I haven't thought about it. It's the morning. Well, it's the afternoon. Now it's the afternoon. I guess I need to eat something. That's a good call. Yeah, I also need to eat. I have a bagel sitting over there that I am going to leap on to. <laughs> <laughs> and what about you, Celeste? What are you doing after this? 
I am uh, door dashing. So if you want to know what the life of a recent PhD looks like, (laughs) the answer is door dashing. Door door dashing and then probably watching uh, Super Sizes Go. Nice. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. And uh, wait, what are you doing? I'm eating a bagel. bagel. Eating a bagel. I guess I wanted more. I wanted more. Oh no, no. I I can't (laughs) think the bagel. I haven't eaten yet today, so I I can only think think about the bagel. (laughs) (laughs) Very nice. All right. Bye.